travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Nowhere is truly hidden or undiscovered, but there are many places around the world in Asia that typical travelers don't necessarily know about. After all, on your first couple trips to a country, you want to see the must-see sites, and that keeps the vast majority of travelers following a similar path. On episode 116, Hidden Travel Gems in Asia, we not only shared some of our favorite spots, but restaurants and activities. On this episode, we'll dig deeper, focusing particularly on spots we enjoy, but many travelers might not know about. Get ready to add a host of spots to your must-see list. This is Scott Coates in Bangkok, Thailand, and who's this guy? Hey, Scott, this is Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, uh, where it is the rainy green season. Lots of rain here. It's uh, getting a bit much, but, you know, sometimes that's how you find the hidden gems because you're like, oh, I better duck inside this place to get out of the rain. And boom, you discover something cool. I've had a few of those and a couple of them that I can't really talk about on the podcast, but they sure were blurry and fun. And one happened in your city, I remember, but that's for another episode. This is kind of a fun one because it causes us to dig a little deeper and think about those places that we really went and that we maybe don't remember so well and then think about well hey why does that one resonate and strike me as kind of memorable interesting worth kind of recommending to others yeah you know i i this one was challenging for me at first and and you know the big challenge in general for a topic like hidden gems is just how quickly things change um, particularly here in Asia, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, yesterday's hidden gems are often today's most popular venues. You know, I, I've gone back to some places that I've mentioned as hidden gems, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, how many people there are here? You know, that said, things haven't changed right. a whole lot over the past few years um, because of the whole COVID thing. So maybe some things have remained hidden that wouldn't, they, they might have otherwise become popular and, and they're still hidden gems, you know? So I'm going to talk about hidden gems that are hidden in plain sight, like in, in a city that you might not have noticed and, and hidden just because they're, they're oh. off the beaten path a little bit. My general rule of thumb is to avoid what I call lonely planetivity, which is this force that it, it's a magical force that makes people all congregate on the places where travel guidebooks tell them to go and then like right around the corner right. there's always some cute little cafe that's the, makes the best cappuccino in italy or something you know so i've always been to just explore um you know around the corner or farther afield uh, you know the past four or five years i haven't been anywhere other than Cambodia, Hawaii, and uh, a couple of trips to Bangkok. So it was a little challenging for me to think of like, God, where, where do I know hidden j gems in, in Japan or, or even in Bali where I haven't been in, in probably five years or so. Um, but, you know, as usual, you start scratching and you, you turn up all sorts of interesting things yep. that you've forgotten. So we, we, uh, I think we got some interesting things here. What do you got? Yeah, we do for sure. And just before we get there, 
you're listening to this and we put these out every two weeks so what are you doing in the week in between these two well you could be getting a short bonus episode or some videos because we do something in between these episodes for our patrons and patrons are people that sponsor the show do so by clicking donate on our website or go to patreon.com search talk travel asia help support the show financially and help us keep this going well trevor i'm thinking just before we get into this one why don't we just quickly reflect on that episode 116 the first hidden travel gems and and what kind of resonates for you yeah you know that's not a bad idea it should have been what i did when i started because i was like oh gosh i'm like i did like a good i'm like because we've done like tantalizing travel tales four and five we've done a bunch of episodes sort of like this and i'm like we did asia's secret beaches we did almost secret beaches or somewhat hidden beaches or something like that you know and i was like oh god i'm not gonna be able to think of anything so what i did was I make Google Maps for these episodes, right? So there's a Google Map for hidden gems mm-hmm. of Asia, and it had so many pins on it. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like we literally just gave away like 50 like awesome secret spots on that Google Map. So everything mentioned on that sure is did. probably too touristy to visit now. But you know, like a couple when I was like, "Oh, what should I talk about this time?" Some that came up twice in my mind were uh, I always like to drive from Phuket north. I get a rental car from Phuket Airport, and then you just drive north up into Panga Province and, and along the coast there. Beautiful. Um, that it's amazing. I think I, that must have been mentioned on like eight different episodes, probably doing that. Probably on the driving. Right? We did an episode so. about driving, didn't we? And then uh, Ratnakiri Province, uh, Yaklaum Lake, the, uh, up in the northeasternmost cool. part of Cambodia, near the Vietnam border there. Um, there's a big volcanic lake up there. God, and I keep looking at my calendar trying to figure out how I can get back out there again this year. But it's the rainy season. I'm going to get there for the first time with you. Yeah, we should definitely go up. Um, we need a car for that, you know, I think is the best way to do it and go around okay. to, to send Monorome in the south. And uh, and then there was a couple of tips. I said, like, don't use your guidebook again, of course, and ask locals where to go, which is actually a good tip, you know, like. Uh, sure. People yeah. like I like to walk around a neighborhood when I show up you know and then you know you'll meet somebody just hanging out somewhere and just be like hey you know where, where should i eat where's your favorite noodle shop and they'll they'll laugh and then eventually you'll they'll show you <laughs> those are some good ones yeah i think i hit on one like you walk around by foot check out alleyways i try and pick something like an hour away and just walk to it uh poll friends who have lived and worked in the area pretty simple but you can get some good ones i remember thinking about the circular train route in yangon Myanmar that does a big outer lap around the city. That's pretty neat. For some reason, Pakputra, Pakistani restaurant in Malacca resonated. Like I ate there twice and I've never forgotten it. And a very cool town in Japan up in the mountains called Matsumoto, which I went to some craft breweries. I also had a kick-ass tempura and I went to see a museum by a very famous artist called uh, Yayoi, I think is her name. And she does polka dots. So those were some things that we talked about in the first one. So should we just do the good old fashioned tried and tested back and forth on this Trevor? Yeah, you know, it's funny, like lots of times we do just like I make a list and you make a list and then we take turns talking about our list. And it's funny how often there is synergy you know, occasionally, like one of us will cut and paste them into like a, you know, a little flow. So it sort of like makes sense. But I think even when we don't try, it seems to make sense. I'm not sure that's going to happen today. I went a little geographically and I talked about few places. Um, okay. So I sort of focused a little bit. Sure. So my first one is just something I guess that's been on my mind because uh, 
I'm coming to visit Bangkok next weekend, the weekend after this coming weekend. So after people have listened to this, I will have gone to Bangkok already. So, you know, one of my favorite things to do in Thailand is eat, of course. And and I was actually going to just be like, oh, you should go eat here. Oh, you should go eat here. Because, you know, I, I almost have to like schedule like each of my meals to make sure that I don't miss anything good. So you and I went to uh, Rotniom for the Sukhothai noodles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rotniom, and they have them all over the city, and it was tremendous. Yeah, so Rotniom, there's a hidden gem. But it was like food courts, you know, like food courts in in Bangkok are amazing. Like any shopping mall will usually have two of them at least. And one of them, which is frequently on the basement floor, is is like the food court for mall employees and for like cheaper kind of eats, you know. So you can get like so much selection of like super cheap food. And then... Typically on the top floor, there's going to be like a swanky kind of food court. Um, but, you know, like lots of these malls, they they have like just chains of like Thai restaurants and uh, and Rotniom for the Sukha Thai noodles. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. And then Bankara, the ramen place up on Sukhumvit, uh, up near Tongla. Yeah, that's near Samitubate area. 39. 39, yeah. We went and ate there when I was in town last time Ooh-hoo. at Bankara. And just that's a, there's a lot of Japanese expatriates that live around there. So like, there's a whole lot of hidden gems. I could, we could do an episode just on like my favorite Japanese restaurants in, in the Tongla area, you know? So one more from my old neighborhood. And this one's funny because I was, uh, it's the salad bar at the Emporium grocery store. And they have them at M Quartier and Siam Paragon as well. So there's like three train stops okay. where you can go to the, go to the grocery store and they have the best salad bar I've like ever seen or ever lived off of. And I even went to go visit it. I was like, I needed to kill some time and I was around there. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just go have a peek at what they got at the salad bar. Cause there's always like strawberries or cherries or like all sorts of amazing, like perfectly cut up and pitted fruits. But then like they'll have like capers or sun-dried tomatoes or artichoke hearts, like things that when you're cooking, um, you don't want to buy a whole jar of like capers, but like you can buy them by weight there, you know, mix right. them up in some things. But just like if you're a vegetarian and you happen to be traveling to Bangkok, you can get them in like a little plastic bag. I reuse my plastic bags. I just bought, bring them back. But like you can bring any sort of little plastic container mm-hmm. and they'll just weigh it and, and you can get yourself a bomb salad at the salad bar at Emporium. That's a cool one. And all three of those are solid eating choices. I'm not talking eating, but I'm going to just say Kuching on Malaysian Borneo. And I think I've talked about Kuching mm. before on the show. Um, great little town, very Chinese influenced. You can see orangutans near there. You can go paddling on a river. You can go out to the beach. But I'm going to focus on this little place that I got fuzzy memories about called the Permai Rainforest Resort. And we'll have links to these on the show notes. Now, it's not really fancy or anything. And it was kind of a house, but a tree house. And so it's built up on stilts, a house, and it faced the South China Sea, but kind of in the woods. And and there you are, right there. There's a small beach nearby. You're looking out at the ocean. Uh, there was a legitimately good little trek in the jungle behind the place. It was charming. You know, again, 45 minutes from the city, and you're out along the ocean in this kind of novel, you know, lodging. And, and it was just nice for a couple of nights, a neat place to spend a couple of nights. Cool. I like it. I, I love the food there too, you know, and that's, uh, I don't know why, maybe I'm hungry, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> Malaysian Borneo food <laughs> is good stuff. Actually, yeah, yeah, there's a restaurant near here run by some guys from there. So uh, from Bangkok, I just segued to, to Thailand and uh, 
I guess I, I nailed it on the head at the intro, but my notes for Thailand here say anywhere on our not so secret beaches episode. Yeah, we did back in the day, a really good beach episode, I remember. And uh, when I first got into professional travel writing, it was in Thailand and it was to write specifically about Thailand's beaches and islands. So that was one of the great jobs of my life was uh, being a travel writer to write about beaches and islands. So. I think, again, you could just fly into any airport in Thailand and rent a car. So a coastal city like Krabi or Phuket or, you know, further south, let's say, like Hat Yai or something. You could rent a car and just start driving up the coast or along the coasts, and you're going to find some amazing places. Um, on my list, I had Koh Pratong. Uh, Pratong was on uh, Tantalizing Travel Tales. Uh, It's been on a couple Mm -hmm. of episodes called Payam, which uh, I know you went to not long ago. Sweet. Uh, Called Libong, you know, called Libong, which is... You've talked about it. You've sold on it. um, South of Krabi and Kotlanta. Um, Yeah, just along that whole Andaman coast there. And I hear like even like Suratani. I know that you, you went down there and Greg... Jorgensen, he and his family spent some time. Brian Bartouche, I know his dad had a place in Suratani province, but I hear that like some parts of that, that coast of the Gulf in Thailand, Kano. yeah, have some amazing hidden gems too. So like, it's kind of funny even to call all these places like hidden gems, right? But like when the lonely planetivity sucks everybody to Phuket or to Samui or to Koh Tao, you know, like uh, Koh Pratong and Koh Libong and Koh Payam, like they uh, stay hidden a little bit, right? I have heard that Kanom, which I just mentioned is tremendous, the coast uh, along Suratani there. I've been through the city, but I've not been along the coast, and it's pretty high on my list. So those are good ones, man, really good ones. And Kopayam is terrific. Hmm. For my next one, I'm a tad conflicted, but it's pretty well known. But I'm going to say Gaul in Sri Lanka. And this is in the southwestern part of Sri Lanka, right along the coast. It's a former, I can't remember the order of who owned it when, but like the Portuguese owned it, then the Dutch, then the British. I mean, didn't own it, took it from the locals. But it's basically not a big area, but it's a walled little town. And it was a trading port. And it's full of neat colonial buildings, cobblestone streets, beautiful maritime museum, hundreds of years old. A lot of activity atop the surrounding fortifying wall at night. People, you know, juggling and jumping off into the ocean and doing little shows. There was nice food, charming little hotels. They even had a maritime museum, which I think I've mentioned here because... I thought it was quite fascinating. I saw a big pot from Si Sanchanalai in northern Thailand, which is between Sukhothai and Chiang Mai, where a lot of this pottery used to come from. And I thought, oh, how wild that I've been there and this pot is here. So anyway, Gaul in southwestern Sri Lanka is a pretty neat spot for a few nights. Wow. You know, I, I, I always hear the Sri Lanka stories and hope to get there soon. I know they're having some trouble now, but... Uh... You know, it's a big place and a lot of beautiful, beautiful places to visit there, I think. I was just going to pull up a Google map for my next one, and now I forgot what I was going to mention. Uh, Again, you can go to the show notes, talktravelasia.com, and I'll have a link to all of the destinations and such that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. So I've just been sort of picking major destinations and moving out from there. So I picked Angkor. I'm like, I must know some, like, hidden gem in Angkor. Okay. And like, of course I do. And like, we're talking about like doing a little scavenger hunt or something in there soon. So like, 
I know all these little nooks and crannies that are hidden gems inside of the park. And uh, hey, so why not one of okay. those? I always take people to like, if you go to uh, Angkor Tom, in the center-ish of Angkor Tom is the Royal Palace enclosure. It's, it's you know, just to the north of uh, the bay on there. So you go inside the Royal Palace enclosure and actually lots of hidden gems just cruising around the, the ponds and, and the interior perimeter of there. Perhaps literally, they keep digging up stuff. They found inside of the north gate of Angkor Tom just a week or so ago, they found this uh, border stone that was still like, covered in gold like inside of the gate yeah mm -hmm. but in that the back corner gosh you're gonna have to go to the show notes I'll, I'll i'll drop a pin on the map so you can see where but the back corner of the royal palace enclosure that goes out to the to the ba bapuan temple there is this just little beautiful jungle niche of, of, i don't know it's hard to describe it's just really beautiful but Otherwise, I, I was going to use the map to talk about uh, a couple of temples, one called Bante Tom, uh, which is just north okay. of Angkor Tom. And, and that one's fun. I like, like if you're riding a bicycle, I went out there on one of those uh, e-bike Cannondales that have like the motor assist. This is the one that you and I were going to bike out to if we, if we did the biking trip and, right. didn't, and oh, you didn't okay. get sick. Um, yeah, because again, like... If it's dry, this would be no problem to go out to on a regular push bike, mountain bike, you know. But those those candles would help if if you had to go through some sloggy, flooded rice field kind of stuff, which which it might have been too tough for us, you know. But it's cool that like it's beautiful countryside, you know. You're you're in the Angkor Park and and you're but you're going through like villages that are still within where all these temples are. And Vente Tom means the big fortress. It's really wow. cool, and you like I you got to kind of climb through it a little bit to get inside it. And, and I was nervous about leaving the bike there because it's like this expensive, nice mountain bike. Right. And I'm like, Oh, it's just like leave it here next to this tree. So I carried it through the first enclosure area and parked it there. And then you go inside the second enclosure and they have this big covered roof, kind of like at uh, Tane. Tane has the same kind of interior galleries i guess enclosed galleries with like no windows it's really cool and then the other one i was i'll drop a pin on is uh trapang pong and trapang pong was a, a temple that i first went to with my dad in a jeep and then went back to with ruben in a jeep and once it was in the dry season and we we didn't even know where the road was we were following google maps with the jeep and like just kind of like bombing through dry rice fields because you couldn't see where the road was because there wasn't really a road and Google Maps doesn't know where those little roads are. And then eventually we found the, the temple. And then when I went with Ruben, you knew where the road was because it was either rice or like flooded. And we were up to the doors in the Jeep and then we had to try and get a little boat to get across the moat and stuff. But uh, it's a really beautiful old like ninth uh, century brick prasad like in the middle of nowhere and it's uh and in, in surprisingly good condition really cool so you know again you do a little exploring we'll have links to the the jeep guys too cambodia jeeps because uh they they come with a driver like uh, you can drive a little bit you know if you want to bomb through some mud puddles but uh, for the most part you get a chauffeur so it's a nice way to explore yeah that sounds fun i've never done the jeeps and yeah we indeed did not get on those e-bikes to where you're talking about I'm going to go a couple countries away. I'm going to go to Myanmar for the next one. Uh, my wife and my parents and I, I think back in 2017, went to Tande Beach. And I had been to Myanmar a few times, but I'd never been to the beach. 
And so it was a short flight, like maybe 30 minutes at the most from Yangon, the capital. And But if you don't need the big five stars and you don't need all the fancy, fancy hotels, this is a nice, long, six-kilometer stretch of beach. I loved walking on it at night or running on it in the morning. Uh, it was pretty quiet. We had a nice hotel for a low price with a, you know, quite a nice deck looking out at the sea. It was a nice pool that the hotel had. It was really relaxing as hell. We found a couple of nice seaside restaurants. We even found a great pizza restaurant down the road, but it was just really neat to go to a beach destination in Myanmar. They have tons of coasts, but just, you know, it's not famous for beach particularly, but it was a really nice time. It was a really nice escape, quiet, great place to read a book. Highly recommend Tande Beach when Myanmar is a place you would want to really travel again. Yeah, that's a good one, man. That should definitely, I should just cut and paste this on whatever like dream travel destinations five, <laughs> you know, that we got next. No, because like, yeah, it's not famous for its beaches and islands, but like how many times have I stared at like a map or Google maps of like how many islands there are in the Andaman see oh, off the coast of Myanmar incredible. and photos and like yeah some swanky beach resort opened a number of years ago that looked just epic and I knew there was flights out there like some people I know went and it looked ridiculously beautiful and unspoiled and yeah hopefully there's uh, you know hopefully someday <laughs> we, we can go there yeah so I went from Bangkok out to Greater Thailand and now I'm going from Angkor out to Greater Siem Reap so uh Sticking with the temple theme a little bit, but not entirely. Uh, from Siem Reap, I like the day trip up to Bente Chmar. So Bente Chmar okay. is a Bente Chmar is a big temple. Like it's a big complex. It's the size of Angkor Thom, which is it's like a kilometer on each side. Yeah. So is it a kilometer each? It's a big one. Yeah. It's largely in ruins. There's a number of interesting lesser temples around there, but it was clearly you know a large city or populous and and you know i think some of these served as garrisons because that was sort of on the, the front lines between angkor and thailand right and then praia khan mm -hmm. kampong svai which you and i went to on a motorbike expedition once that one's about the same size a kilometer per side and was likely like a, a garrison city for that kind of eastern frontier flank of the that kingdom but uh, Bente Chmar used to be a mission to get out to when Jeff Kane went with me, um, one of our oh, okay. old friends. Yeah, it took us from Phnom Penh, not from Phnom Penh, from Siem Reap to Bente Chmar took us 10 hours, I think. It was, yeah, I think it was 10 hours. Oof, that's epic. Yeah, and then when we went to the temple, there was actually a guy like in a hammock at like the ticket booth. And uh, you had to sign in when you bought your ticket. And the no one had been there in two months. We were the first visitors to, in, to the temple in two months. Wow. And that's where they have the bad malaria too. Like the Thai border region is where they have the malaria that they can't really treat you for if you get it. And I remember back then it was like 90% of the mosquitoes that could carry malaria had malaria. So it was all like, that was pretty remote. Now it's not, it's, it's like a two and a half hour drive. I think it's an easy day trip. The really cool thing about it I like is that, you know, it's got a moat around the old city and then like the new village, cause it's not, it's a town, but the town just exists on like two sides of the temple or two sides of the moat. So two sides of the moat, the west side and the south side are where the road is that goes through town and the town sort of still built around this thousand year old city, you know, and then the entire interior of it is just like, 
you know, jungle and ruins, but uh, it's a really cool place to do a homestay because they don't really have, they probably have some little cheap motels or hotels, maybe. Uh, no, probably not now. So homestay is the way to go. It was one of the first community-based ecotourism projects in Cambodia, like ever, and one of the best ones too. They've always done a really good job hosting you with really cool, nice families. And then there's a couple of silk weaving, um, like a nonprofit kind of programs um, up there couple good restaurants they do like a really cool like if you want to do like a temple dinner kind of thing like at Angkor if you want to do a temple dinner it's thousands of dollars you know um for, mm-hmm. for like big deals you know like corporate events I'm up at Bente Chmar the like the homestay will like set you up with like a little candlelight dinner at, at the temple and like it's awesome you know like it's it's cool that like it's you can combine it with the day trip to Batambang, um, which is a bit too big and well known to be hidden. It's just north of that, but Bante Chmar is like a cool, great day trip for sure. Yeah, that was a good one. I went with Adam from Grasshopper. Oh, I don't know. We're probably talking eight years ago now. We rode motorbikes up there, and it was a couple hours, but easy going. I mean, it'd be a long day trip of driving, but definitely, I'd love to go back there with you sometime. For my next one, I am going to head to. A place I just went recently, uh, Chalong and Krache in Cambodia. So I had kind of long dreamed of following the Mekong River north from Phnom Penh up to the town of Krache along the Mekong and see the dolphins there. And so I did all those things. But we stayed about 30 minutes uh, before Krache in a town called Chalong because there's this colonial house from 1916 built by a Chinese trader there. And it's a French colonial style house with a pool. Absolutely fantastic place to stay. Really nice common area downstairs with a pool table and couches. It's where you take your meals and you eat. So that on its own was really, really awesome right on the river. But then up in Croce, it was quite a nice, charming town. I wasn't there that long, but but a cute place. Could spend a few days right in there. And the kayaking trip along the river was really well done. Simple, but well done. Uh, just beautiful to paddle on the Mekong, but when we were there, the water was high, so you're kind of paddling between the tops of trees, and then we did see a couple pods of dolphins, which was really neat as well. And then, you know, even back in Cholong, you have to use your imagination a bit, but just a few hundred meters down from the hotel, there was also older trading warehouses that the market is currently at, so it's not difficult to imagine that this town, this little town now, was quite an important trading site way back when. So I thought those two places were quite nice. About a five and a half hour drive up there, so it's not real short, but it would be a nice place to spend even more than we did. We spent two nights and I'd say go up for three or four for sure. Hey, good good tip. I like that. So again, I went to my the Google map to try and come up with my list and, and, and I had a few pins. I picked some good places on Bali last time. You know, Bali's an interesting mm-hmm. place. Bali's so interesting because there's hidden gems there, like right under your nose a lot of the time, you know, like that's what I always tell people. And, and I didn't realize that I'd traveled to Bali so often for a while and, and just to surf mostly. And then I kind of got burned out on Bali. And then when I went there to go write about it for a travel guidebook, I really discovered like, Hey, you know what? Like the real Bali or the, like the hidden Bali is like always right around the corner. It's always really right there. And the, their culture is so like, resilient and deeply rooted in every aspect of of their daily life um it's really it's easy to get like sucked into it but at the same time 
like Bali makes me realize how quickly hidden gems become traffic jams. You know, like every time you go back, like some place you thought was like your little secret shortcut, like the secret shortcut isn't a secret shortcut anymore. It's like got its own Facebook page for for cars that go off it and get stuck <laughs> in there. Yeah, there, there, there's this two box shortcut that goes through this rice field up near like Echo Beach that was like the greatest little shortcut. And now it has a Facebook page for all the cars that fall off it and get stuck in the rice fields. It's it's hilarious. But uh, we're lucky that we have uh, former guest Stuart McDonald of Travel Fish uh, as a Facebook friend. That's right. Because he actually wrote a post recently about my hidden gem that I'm going to mention. So, like, it, it's funny, like, things in Bali can blow up and these hidden gems can become traffic jams. And that's, like, one of the biggest risks, I think, of being a travel writer or somebody, like, trying to promote travel in destinations. But uh, there's a little town... Uh, in Bali called Sidamin and it's 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 spelled side man but it's pronounced Sidamin. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. And Sidamin like even a decade ago I was like this is going to become like the next Ubud. I think it was like everybody was like this is going to be destined to become the next Ubud, you know? Um just cuz it had that like beautiful picture picturesque um you got rice terraces like hiking trails mountain biking like charming little guest houses and boutique hotels and just gorgeous you know and for some reason it's just like it didn't it didn't catch on and like you know i read stewart's uh blog post about it a couple months maybe six months ago and it was almost sad like you know these people are still waiting like the the town of cedarman like was like we're going to get tourists and we're not just going to be rice farmers anymore, I guess. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, like I think they really wanted to, to get a little bit okay, more yeah. of the tourist action in Bali and it sort of never happened. Sure. And, and again, that I like, I don't know. I, I hope that it's not too hard for, for the people there, you know, but, uh, ah, it's so beautiful. I didn't ever want it to get over touristy. And, and it came to mind for me recently because I had a discussion with some friends who were thinking about going to Bali this year and they they're like, Oh, can you go to Bali for a week? And I was like, Oh, going to Bali for a week is tough because it's a big Island. There's lots to do in general. Like the first question is kind of like, do you want to do like mountain stuff or do you want to do like ocean stuff? Kind of like Thailand too. Yeah. You want to go to Chiang Mai and do that like right, Northern right, yeah. stuff or you want to go to the beaches. Yeah. So in Bali, it's tough to do. In, in a week all of it you know but then i was like you know what if you sure. if you're like if you make cedamen like your kind of hub for like your trekking your charming cultural village kind of thing that's not far from karamas which is one of the best surf spots in, in bali and chandidasa which is one of the best snorkeling areas of bali this is all in like eastern bali yeah and then uh even like the, the volcanoes are right there. Tirta Ganga, which is one of the big water uh, palaces. Yeah, Sidamen is, is a cool place to go to base yourself out of like uh, some non-touristy, um, beautiful areas of Bali. You must have told me about this place because I have it marked on my map hmm. of Bali, but I have not been there. But uh, yeah, that's a good call out because my few times to Bali, I did find it kind of overrun and really busy. As you mentioned, the roads can get packed. So that's pretty cool cinnamon is is yours and it, and that's is that your last one on your list um no I, I had one more like if you know if, if we got time for it but uh what do you got this is maybe not in asia and and, and it's questionable is this in asia or is it in europe but it's close enough and i think it very well might be but my dad and i a few years back went to armenia and i gotta say 
what a surprise what a what a country i really had little knowledge before going but it was fantastic the capital yerevan was very interesting there's a genocide museum there which was sobering but also educated me about a part of history that i had no idea about pretty darn tasty food pretty darn good wine um you know they have these incredibly old cathedrals or i don't know if cathedral is the right word but like you know a monastery like a stone monastery built out on the sides of mountains and in the mountains and these date to like the fifth century and the sixth century then i actually learned that they're the second country in the world to follow the catholic church after hmm. the vatican right so they adopted christianity really really early on and consequently they built all these monasteries all around the country which you can still see and you know you didn't have to go too far for a change in scenery and then when we were driving from the east or sorry from the west over to the east across some small hills we ended up at this orbelian caravanserai which was where caravans would take a rest and it was just on the top of a mountain and people have slept in that thing for hundreds of years and we ended up in a place called noritus with this big kind of spooky graveyard and then we're out in the mountains and one morning i got up there and i did this jog up a road and all i saw was a couple cows but overall yeah armenia was was highly surprising impressive really cool spot to go okay correct me if i'm wrong but this is next to turkey does armenia border turkey is that why it's like it's almost asia it does. okay so it is almost asia i think it's as yeah. as asia as as uh the what do we do french polynesia <laughs> Well, and, and they say when you cross uh, Istanbul over the bridge to heading east that you do end up in Asia. So mm. I think it might technically be in Asia. But Turkey are their neighbors to the west. They're mortal enemies. And they border Georgia, which I was going to mention as well, and then Iran to the south. And, uh, yeah, so they've got some interesting neighbors. Yeah, lots of hidden gems around there, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I just had one on my list that it was left over. I didn't go because, again, I haven't been anywhere in so long that I don't know if my hidden gems are still going to be valid but uh this one may be not a hidden gem for too long it's uh the small town of osaum in the province of vilveng mm. which is in uh western southwestern cambodia so they uh it, back in 2020 uh, a few of us uh rode motorbikes up to osaum so we went down from phnom penh down to kampot and then from kampot over to Koh kong um, and there's some hidden gems mm -hmm. in Koh Kong too. I, I still haven't been to that Koh Kong Island yet, but it looks spectacular. So, you know, a lot of hidden gems around this area too. But if you go north from Koh Kong, there's a road that goes up. There's some massive dams up there that are amazing. But the the, the countryside around Osaum was like spectacular, big waterfalls and like a jungle for doing some off-road dirt biking. But uh, also like a nice new road that's going through and all the way up to Batambang and, and that area of Cambodia. So once these new roads are done through Vilvang and Persat, you know, it, it'll still be a hidden gem for a while, I think. But uh, much more accessible you know like so that area is really beautiful and uh you know if you want to do like a little bit of adventuring you know it takes so long to get around cambodia i guess to do eastern cambodia ratnakiri and banlung which are definitely hidden gems already with the roads already open um Vilvang should probably be hidden for for some time but hopefully it doesn't get uh, too developed in other ways other than tourism so that it's not despoiled for visitors hopefully but uh, hmm. yeah we'll drop that on the map too so people can check it out i've not heard of that one either and I, th I find it fascinating how many you have 
in Cambodia, right? A place you've been and traveled really well. You know what? I'm going to just tack one more on then. It's, it borders Armenia. It was on my list is Georgia. On the same trip, my dad and I went to Georgia. This has gotten pretty hot on travelers' radar the last five to 10 years, but super worth going. Easy to combine as a trip with Armenia. Uh, the capital, Tbilisi, is really interesting. Apparently, Georgia is the first place to ever have made wine. Mm. And they're very proud of that and had some fantastic Georgian wines, and then we drove north to a place called Kazbegi, where there's a 5,000-meter-plus mountain that towers above this little mountainous town, like big, big mountains, and there's a Gurgeti Trinity Church, a stone church, way up on a mountain that overlooks town, and we went to a place, I'm not going to say this probably, but Litschik, which has some cave dwellings, and yeah, it was just a really cool country in space, so stop it there, but as you tacked one in, I'll tack one on there too. So get to Georgia when you're on your way to Armenia as well. Man, we've covered some neat spots. Yeah, again, it, it was a challenge, but uh, you know that the Cedarman one I think is a great tip. The shopping malls and the food spots in Bangkok I think are great tips. And it's funny, you know how like hidden gems are different. Like, uh, and then they don't stay hidden for long. Like one of the ones I thought of that isn't uh, the secret anymore is Nusa Lambongan. So Nusa Lambongan is an island. Okay. If you're going to go to like the Gili Islands, like Gili T off the coast of Lombok, like Nusa Lambongan is like the island where you stop along the way to, to pick up and drop off a couple of people back in the day. But there's a beach there called Dream Beach. Okay. I think Dream Beach was on our semi-secret uh, episode. And then I went back there and it was like packed. It was like full of people. I was like, holy cow, this is crazy so yeah sometimes your uh, hidden gems don't stay hidden because anywhere beautiful in the world will eventually get discovered and, and become more popular won't it yeah these places can change and it's something as simple as a road being improved could do it right or something as simple as it being mentioned on the right travel blog could certainly suddenly blow it out with tours so you just never know when the secret place is going to become really well known but We've enjoyed all these places we've mentioned, and some of them I've not been to, some of you have not been to, but hey, if you're listening and you're dreaming of travel, any of these are a very, very solid bet. And on that note, get the extra bonus material between each of these episodes that Trevor and I share with our patrons. Click donate, help us keep this going. Trevor, we've done it again. We have come up with an interesting episode when we thought we couldn't end. We have leftover destinations for yet probably part three of this one. I know. And one of the best parts is that, uh, you know, we had uh, several more episodes to choose from. And I think we picked two of the more challenging ones to get through today. So that means the next couple episodes we record yeah. will be uh, ones that uh, we're even more prepared for and, you know, have even better tips for. You know, I think it, it's fun. Like, it's part of the challenge now. I think I'm like, challenge accepted. I can, I can come up with uh, ideas for this episode. But uh, I know for a fact that the next few ones are good. Again, thank you to our uh, patrons. Um, that's also been fun coming up with patron-only episode material. And I feel bad I was supposed to have done that when I was up in Siem Reap this past week, and I didn't. So sorry, patrons. I'm going to get out there and find something cool for you here on the streets of Phnom Penh this week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me again, Scott. And uh, let's have a little chat after we hang up here. And uh, I'll see you guests again in a couple weeks. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Keep dreaming of travel. We'll be back in two weeks with a regular episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cam-